Welcome to Soundbite Theater. Episode 5. Make way for the future. Good evening. What you are going to see tonight is less of a television program and more of an experience. A sensory delight for your eyes and for your ears, too, for those of you listening on the radio. (laughs) But even so, you are going to witness the future before your very eyes. Before all that, an introduction. I'm sure many of you know me, but for the uneducated and uninformed, my name is Charles Walsh, and I am a storyteller. (laughs) Well, I'm much more than that. Animator, filmmaker, and any number of other things needed of me at my studio and companies. Through our countless films, cartoons, television programs, theme parks, and other business endeavors, we've delighted audiences all over the world. The work me and the boys in the studio have been doing has really been grabbing your attention, hasn't it? (laughs) Well, we still plan on making plenty of things for you to enjoy. Even though that's currently not our priority at the time. That's right. Our films, television shows, and theme parks won't be our focus going forward. You see, about a year ago, I had a realization. And this might be difficult for some of you to hear, so I'll try my best to keep it light. It may seem dark, but trust me, I will have solutions to this problem. You see, our country, no, no, our world, isn't looking all too great at the moment. We as a society are coming off of two world wars years of economic crisis and global poverty, and centuries of horrid prejudice and exclusion. Awful, just awful, if I do say so myself. It has become increasingly clear to me that the world in its current state will not last another century. In the past decade alone, political tensions have rapidly increased, more and more people are facing hardship and poverty out on the streets every day, The environment is beginning its steady decline to the end, and everything seems like it's going to get worse. And what can I do about it? (laughs) I mean, I'm just a storyteller. All me and the boys do is make silly little cartoons and the like. How's that going to make the world a better place? Well, me and the other creative types in the studio have been working for quite a while, and I think we're ready to show you what we've been working on. About a decade ago, I graced your television screens to discuss my plans for our first theme park. And all of you thought it was pretty neat. Lots of papers called it a feat of master engineering and craftsmanship. But I assure you that if we were able to accomplish that once, we'll absolutely be able to do it again and on a much grander scale. Allow me to present 
the preliminary designs for what I've been calling my city of the future. This experimental community is how I envision a better society, a perfect world. A community that is self-sufficient and self-reliant. A community whose residents live in harmony without fear of political strife, financial burden, or social prejudice. A place where people from all walks of life can live in perfect harmony. Looking at this model here, <laughs> certainly a large one, right? The model shop had a field day with this one. Yeah. This is what our city of the future is going to look like once it's complete. Note this large spire in the center. This will act as the city's main communication and administration hub. Here, all of the city's day-to-day -day operations will be fully automated. Now, when I told my nephew about this, he asked me, Uncle Charles, does that technology even exist? And I just smiled and told him, well, Billy, we're working on it. Now, surrounding the spire is a collection of public parks and community gardens. While most of the city's food and farming will be produced out here, in the outer ring of the city, these gardens will be a space for residents to sample fresh fruits and vegetables while enjoying any leisure time they may have. See these tunnels and bridges? These will house the city's various public transportation options. I envision throngs of residents taking full advantage of the free monorail, moving sidewalks, single-person transportation pods, and all the other systems we have in store. These services will allow expedient and secure travel from here in the city center to the residential areas here. And let's look at those living spaces, shall we? These state-of-the-art domes will be able to house upwards of 1,000 people per dome. And these domes will be absolutely free to stay in for as long as you need. Plenty of U.S. citizens and families are inches from living on the street, but these communities will certainly provide a solution. Now, how will such communities be funded? Surely myself and all of us here at the studio could take care of it ourselves, right? <laughs> Did you hear that? They all think it's a kooky idea, too. We tried this whole self-financing approach with the first theme park, and as successful as it was, that was a risk we're still recovering from. <laughs> no. To finance this society of the future, we've decided it would be best to take on corporate sponsors, which will live here, in the city center. Home to pavilions and exhibits showcasing what our sponsors are doing to research and develop ways to make the world a better place. Each of these city centers will include plenty of exhibits and attractions showcasing our various sponsors across the country. <laughs> That's right. I said city centers. We don't plan on stopping at just one city of the future, even though that's our plan for now. My vision is an entire nation of these communities, and if all goes well, shining beacons of progress and hope for the future all over the world. I promise you, dear audience, this won't be the last time you hear from me about this. I plan to put every waking minute of my own time into developing this utopia even further. And maybe, just one day, this dream of mine and everyone involved will become a spectacular reality. Yeah. So that was complete and utter bullshit. Okay. So now follow me as we walk out of the introduction center and into the rest of the park. The decrepit and nearly abandoned park. 
Yeah, I, I know I'm supposed to be supportive of my now-dead boss, but come on. It's just a bunch of pompous 60s propaganda for a place that never got built. Yeah, I, I know it did get built, but at least part of it did, and that I'm supposed to be giving you a tour of said place, but it's... Well, it's just another one of his theme parks. Look at this place. Just all this... stuff. All these pavilions and exhibits. They're not doing anything good. Yeah, yeah, I, I know in the video he said they were going to, like, do research and educational outreach to make the world a better place. But all they're doing is selling products. It's corporate propaganda for the whole family. You might be asking yourself, this isn't what Walsh wanted, right? He obviously would have been happy at least part of it still got built. I mean, none of the free public housing or free transportation or sustainable farming or social welfare programs got made. But at least you can go on a boat ride that teaches you about the wonders of fracking. Yeah, yeah, I, I know it's a, it's a fun boat ride. Oh, and across that path there is a pretty neat spaceflight simulator. Now, do you want to take a guess as to who sponsors that? Anyone? If you guessed that billionaire who treats his workers poorly and self-finances his own trip into space, you're right! All three of them bought this ride years ago! And over there you've got the Build Your Own Roller Coaster attraction, sponsored by a literal weapons manufacturer. It's right next to the singing food show about healthy eating in a building owned by a corporation that actively lobbies against healthy meals in public schools. Are you sort of getting what I'm saying here? For a place that promotes progress in all its advertising, decor, and general vibe, having all these corporations around isn't really doing much to be a shining beacon of progress and hope for the future. You know, that whole bright and shiny futures persona Walsh put on in those TV specials? It was an act. That wasn't really him. He called himself a storyteller all the time, which, like, was half true. But he was a businessman and a capitalist at least 80% of the time. Near the end of his life, he cared less about, you know, telling good stories and making quality art. You know, things that could actually be worthwhile and beneficial to people. And more about profits. Making money. And I'm sure that's what was going through his mind when he drafted plans for this city of the future. Now, I don't doubt that he was at least partially interested in actually making the world a better place. But he literally mentioned seeking out corporate sponsors. If there wasn't even the smallest intent to profit off this utopian society, I'll quit my job right now. You can think what you think. That's fine. You can choose to see good old Charles Walsh however you want. I'm going to choose to see him as a deranged capitalist who thought he was mankind's only savior, who also requested in his will to hide any traces of his alcoholism from the public. Sorry. I'm being really unprofessional. That's on me. It's just... This whole place? All of Walsh's beliefs that he could save the world? Now, anyone who thinks they could change the world for the better? They're all spouting false promises. You can work and work all your life and nothing comes from it. There's always going to be thousands of people and corporations working against you to stop you from accomplishing anything. The world's never going to get better. 
Not when you know it's just you working against a world that's eating itself alive. You know, I used to work for this nonprofit. We were trying to save this massive area of the Everglades that had all these endangered species living there. Yeah, it wasn't exactly saving the world, but, but we were doing what we could with what we had. And just as we were about to get a meeting with the government to give the land legal protection and save these animals from extinction, it got bought out by Walsh's company for another theme park. The nonprofit fell apart after that, and I couldn't find any other work saving the world, so now I'm here, working for the company that destroyed everything I was working towards. Maybe I shouldn't have given up so quickly. Maybe I should have stuck to my guns a bit more and actively found another way to fight these corporations instead of becoming a sellout and shilling myself out to them. But every day when I come to work and see this place that was supposed to be something that could save the world, it just feels like there's no reason to have hope for a better future anymore. Maybe that's what this place is all about. So what? It never accomplished the goals of being the solution to all the world's problems. But you know what? Even though all these rides and exhibits are spewing corporate bullshit and not really doing anything to improve things, people still leave here hopeful for the future. Even though the world sucks and it seems like nothing's going to get better, this place still gives people the hope that Things will be better, right? And people leave here inspired to change the world. And we can work together to accomplish things that seem impossible on our own. And maybe just actually make the world a better place. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we can make things better. Okay, who wants to go on some rides? Thank you for listening to this episode of Soundbite. Make Way for the Future was written by Jackson Heyman. It features Dan O'Keefe as Charles Walsh and Ben Lash as Jesse. Additional vocals provided by Zachary Henke. Soundbite's theme song was composed by Charlotte Rosenthal. Soundbite Theater is produced by Mythonomica Productions. See you again soon.